Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, guys? It's your boy Dylan. I'm here to talk about once again betonline.ag. Betonline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. They're the fastest and easiest way for all your betting needs for all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just make sure you use our promo code BLEAVE, that is capital letters B L E A V, to receive your rewards. One more time, that is capital letters B L E A V. Bet online where the game starts. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Top of Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Hunsinger at Thunder Chats. We are part of the Believe Network, and this is podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Uh, it's just me and my uh, compatriot here, Alex Roy. Today, Alex, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm I'm doing good, man. I I, uh, I got tickets to the uh, Dave Chappelle Chris Rock comedy show. Oh, nice. Today, so I'm a hundred percent stoked for that, and it's just one week before our Thunder fan event. That's it's awesome. On the twentieth, and of course, we all know that the Thunder fan event is going to be on the twenty seventh. Yeah, we, we've said that a few times. I'm not. I'm not going to beat it over everybody's head uh, with it again. But it's on the twenty seventh, people. <laughs> yeah, and you know, you got a couple more weeks to get your tickets. Uh, I think tickets are. I think that link is live until a week before the game. So I think it's live until the 20th. So you have 16 days um, to, you know, be able to access either lower bowl or upper bowl um, and still have the post game on court experience. Come on the court, take the group picture, half court shot for the premium seats. And who knows, maybe some other things, you know, this, like we're not done working on this event. We probably won't be done working on this event until, like we're in Oklahoma city and who knows, we might still be working on it. So um, yeah. yeah. So just stay tuned. Like you, you definitely be a part of that. And uh, you know, we're going to make this as big and awesome as we possibly can. So uh, with that being said, you know, talking about big as awesome as it possibly can, Alex Thunder played a basketball game last night and that, that qualifies with what I'm talking about. And they also played a game tonight, which, you know, wasn't as uh, big and as awesome as it could have been. You know, you know, stick was, with those words. It but... was it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. <clears throat> there you go. Tell 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 two thunders. So, uh, we're gonna talk about both of those games in the segment that we so lovingly call single large item. And before we move into single large item, I just want to thank. Uh, uh, Alex, obviously, Dolan and Jerry for stepping up this past weekend and letting me have a break. Uh, I was very tired. Also, we had New Year's festivities all day. Um, the next day, you know, just kind of getting ready that night and everything. So I uh, appreciate you guys stepping up and Jerry for dropping the absolutely in my honor. So appreciate <laughs> you. <y'all. clears 
absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into this, man. Um, you know, so full disclosure, you know, we, we don't hide things on the top of Thunder podcast. Uh, I missed all of last game. Um, you know, we had a crazy busy weekend. Uh, didn't get to spend much quality time with the wife. So I decided to do that last night. Um, especially after Shay was you know listed as out for non-COVID illness. So I missed a lot of this game. Uh, I, w- I watched most of the game tonight that my internet would allow me, and I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but luckily, Alex saw most of the Celtics game and didn't see as much of uh, tonight's game. So we'll have you cover both ways here. So, Alex, I'm going to go ahead and let you get it started here. Uh, single large item, Thunder Celtics. Uh, what, what's your main takeaway, brother? So I, I want to go to to a conversation, a a quote that, and I'm not I'm not going to say the quote exactly um, how he said it, but I believe it was the end of season press conference um, at the end of last season, where Presti was talking about, I believe it was rhythm versus tempo, like as far as mm-hmm. running an offense. Um, and last night, what you saw in the Boston game was the offense uh, running tempo. Like, and I, I don't know which one it is, but you saw the vision of what this team wants their offense to look like. Five players on the, on the court, um, they can all dribble, they can all pass, they can all play make. For the most part, they can shoot. On some nights, they're going to shoot a lot better than other nights. Um, but you saw the machine that a team like that could be like if it's if it's performing at 100%, which last night it was performing at 100%, and it had to. You know, it was Shea being out um, with us going completely small from the beginning of the game. Um, it had to it had to run at 100%. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I saw is they were mismatch hunting while running the offense. So – they were looking for, hey, who has Al, Al Horford on them? As soon as they got that ball on the, on the perimeter, on the wing, they were heading towards the basket past Al Horford. Whenever <laughs> they put Blake Griffin in there, same thing with him. You know, the, the, the slow leg got the, the slow leg person, they targeted that person. Um, and so it was, it was a beautiful, it was a master class in offense. Something that I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to see all the time, at least not this season and, and maybe possibly it's the next season. But there is a vision. There is a, um, you know, there is a vision of what we want to see in the offense moving forward. Now, and I know I'm going to go ahead and kind of buttress into this game, um, <laughs> but what, what you saw whenever Shea gets back in there is a lot less tempo, is a lot less rhythm. Because, and it just so happened, you know, it's because Shea is that kind of player. Shea needs the ball in his hand a lot more. Um, and so I think the development moving forward for this team is going to be to find that balance between <clears throat> Shea, you know, orchestrating the offense and controlling the offense, and then there being enough movement to allow Shea number one space, but others also to allow others to have the opportunity to create on their own, um, because that is such a weapon to have multiple players out there that can create multiple players out there that can drive. And it puts the defense on skates throughout the entirety of the game. 
Yeah, and I mean every everything you're saying like makes complete sense. Like, yeah, I mean just just the rhythm, uh, the difference between rhythm and tempo is just such a bar in and of itself. But um, you know, kind of talking about that before the season, you know, whenever we drafted guys like Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, Usman Zhang, um, I think it was uh, Warner West actually brought up the concept of, you know, everybody talks about uh, heliocentric offense in the NBA while the Thunder are doing something completely different. And he called it the Hydra offense where, you know, if you cut off one head, you know, two more grow back in its place. Basically, like, if you neutralize one ball handler, then you have four other ones on the court that you have to deal with. And, you know, in this lineup, I mean, you know, starting the game, we started Giddy, Dort, uh, Santa, Wiggins, and Kendrick Williams. Like, we didn't start a true center. I think our tallest person on the court was Giddy six foot nine um you know so like we didn't start a true center and you know against the celtics uh with no robert williams you can do that you can get away with that but in doing so you create matchup problems because you have five playmakers out there on the floor and you know even like throughout the night you bring in trey man you bring in mike muscala who made some nice decisions with the basketball you know wasn't shooting the ball very well but you know was still making some good decisions jalen williams came in and uh, you know, really had some good minutes. Um, not not just shooting like two or three from deep, which was a far cry from the Hornets game, uh, but also you know showing showcasing his ability to pass the ball. And then Isaiah Joe, who you know who we had kind of dubbed as just like a sniper from deep, and let's 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 just like say what it is, like he is a sniper from deep, but he's so much more than that. Like in this game specifically, just like you know box score heroes. If I'm looking at this. He had seven three-point attempts. He made three of them for 42.9%, but he shot 13 attempts of the game. That means he had almost half of his buckets were not three-point attempts. Like, he was showcasing us a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw that he had a pretty crazy dunk. I saw he attempted another dunk in this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, got to the line four times. Like, you know, that's it. It, it lends credence to, you know, what Warner was trying to say with like, you know, the Hydra offense. And I I don't buy into our offense like full time with Shea, not even like this iteration of the team being heliocentric, because I think Shea is, you know, willing, not, not, not just capable, but willing of moving the ball and like, you know, not demanding uh, the volume that he gets. Like we've seen many games where Shea doesn't take a shot until like six, seven minutes into the first quarter because like, he's so adamant. And so like, um, taking what the defense gives him. Yeah. That, but also like getting his teammates in rhythm. Like Shea probably knows like I can get mine against whoever, whenever, but you know, some of these guys like Lou Dort, it's a little bit streakier. Trey man on the court, a little bit streakier. Like they need a little bit more to get rhythm. So, you know, I, I don't think that Shea necessarily is only going to thrive in heliocentric, but, you know, at this given point in time, you know, you talked about how the offense looks different with Shea out there. And it's because that's, that's how our offense has to thrive with Shea this year. Like, and, and he's demanded that, like he's earned that, like, um, you know, whenever he's on the floor, whenever he's ISO and like, he's one of the best you know scorers in the league. <clears throat> and, it's funny because, you know, I, I talk about the Hydra and heliocentric, you know, there's such a stark contrast in the lineups we saw last night and tonight. Like, you know, we had five creators on the floor last night and then tonight the 
you know, spoiler alert, the lineup that kind of got us back into the game with Shea and four shooters. So bombs away lineup. Yeah, we, we, uh, and we're going to talk about that. We've got to come up with a different name for that. That just <laughs> seems like a lack of self-awareness by uh, Mark Degnault. There, rare lack of self-awareness by Mark Degnault. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, like I, I think it's, I think it's beautiful that you know this is a real, real rebuilding team. They still don't have like a dead set identity. They're missing one of their best players and a couple important role pieces but they have multiple ways that they can succeed. They can throw five guys out there that can create and play a legitimate five out offense, or they could also give Shea the ball, let him cook, give four shooters out there to space the floor for him. And either it's going to open the floor up more for Shea, or those guys are going to knock down threes and, you know, stretch leads or, you know, chip away at leads. So uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I mean, obviously it's no secret. We're, we're very impressed by what Presley's been able to do with the roster buildup of this team. But like, you know, if you're looking for versatility, like the past two nights, you know, look no further. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, it's probably the main reason, you know, you know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but it's probably the main reason why um, Darius Baisley is, is not long for this team is because Mm -hmm. He does not have that ability to, you know, think quickly with the ball in his hand. Um, he doesn't have that ability to play make. Um, and so he becomes a stopper on offense whenever he does get the ball. And so, you know, we've given him, what is this, year four? This is his fourth year? Yes. Uh, and that aspect of his game has never developed. You know, we, we've tried to, you know, we tried to simplify the game last year for him. And it kind of worked in getting a role. Um, but he he hasn't improved from that. And so, you know, this is probably part of the reason why somebody like Poku has been given more of a leash this season is because he does have that ability to play mate. He does have that ability to pass the ball. He still he still does Poku things. He still does them. Uh, but you know, he's he it within his Poku ness, he's still basically a tall wing and he's able to create, he's able to you know, dribble, he's able to shoot a little bit. And so that's probably the reason why, you know, whenever you're looking at this team and you're looking at probably Baisley versus Poku, Poku's going to win out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, looking at Baisley, eight minutes um, in the in, in the Celtics game, the only minus in the entire lineup, yeah. minus seven. Uh, and spoiler alert again, he didn't see the floor tonight uh, against the Orlando Magic. Um, and if I'm if I'm not mistaken, like I know Dort handled the assignment a lot the first time we played the Magic, but I feel like Basley, you know, kind of guarded Paolo whenever he was in off the bench a lot too. Mm-hmm. He so, did block him a couple of times. Yes, I mean theoretically, like. If you're trying to slow down Paolo, which we needed to slow down Paolo, uh, Baisley would have been a good player to have in there, but there's something going on there. So, you know, the writing's kind of on the wall, and, and at this point it's a matter of when as opposed to a matter of if, uh, you know, theoretically anyways. Uh, of note also in what you're saying, yeah, Paolo Bancaro is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, he's he's great. <laughs> we'll get that I, before we before we move on to that game. I just do have to note, like, we got to talk about Josh Giddy. I feel like, yes. I mean, yes. yeah, nineteen five and five, 
10 to 15 shooting, three or five from deep, hit both of his free throws. No, are we talking about, are we oh, talking 20, about the 25. He had 25. Yeah, Sorry. 25. I was looking at plus minus, not points. My bad. 25, five and five, which is, you know, in case you didn't know, that's better. Um, but 17 of those three 25. Shooting. Three point shooting, three or five. Yes, they were beautiful. They looked good. They looked in rhythm. They, look, you know, it, it, um, um, development is not linear. And so mm-hmm. we're, I think we're seeing that with his shot and him working with Chip England. Um, you know, we're seeing that early in the season when you are trying something new, it may not necessarily click immediately, but as the season progresses and as he becomes more comfortable, I don't know if it's a new shooting form. I don't know if it's more of a rhythm type thing, but rhythm takes time. You know, those new things take time. Um, and so what I saw yesterday was somebody that, man, he stepped into those three-pointers and, and he shot it with confidence. And those things were, they looked like they were going in and they were going in, you know. Um, so I, did, I didn't mean to kind of piggyback off of what you were saying, but I just thought like that uh, of the entire game, which was an, an impressive game by Giddy, you know, just that aspect of his game, which is going to help him so much moving forward. It you know it makes me feel so good that he is progressing in that that aspect of his game. Yeah, <clears throat> and I mean absolutely. And you know, like, like I said, I didn't see this game. I I was getting alerts on Twitter, so and like you know, I've I've seen the highlights. I've heard some people talk about it, so I kind of know what happens. Uh, and that third quarter, Josh Giddy scored seventeen of his twenty five. I think he hit three of his threes mm-hmm. and. You know, that was – I think the Thunder went into halftime up 20 in the Boston Celtics, which is just crazy in and of itself without Shea Gildas Alexander, uh, their best player. And, you know, you kind of thought that something was going to give – you know, the Celtics are one of the best teams in the NBA, uh, was a historic offensive team at the beginning of the year, like was on a historic pace offensively. Mm-hmm. And the Thunder was just giving it to him uh, on, on both ends. And he just was waiting for the other shoe to drop in the third quarter, wait for that lead to start get chipping away because these guys won the you know NBA Finals last year and you know they got better. But Josh Giddy slammed the door shut on any attempt there was to come back. And kind of building on his shooting, uh, I've, got, I've got a stat that's going to blow your mind. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right, so this is not including tonight because basketball reference – has not updated yet. Um, well, shoot. I, I just got to fact check this, make sure I didn't do it wrong. Okay. So, since the beginning of December, Josh Giddy is shooting 0.3 percentage points lower than... Oh, no. Not 0.3. I apologize. <laughs> 0.03 percentage points lower than Isaiah Joe from the three-point line. So Isaiah wow. Joe is shooting 45.5 and Josh Giddy shooting 45.2%. So Yeah, I believe it, man. I believe it. It's it's been good. It's been good. Yeah. I it's, love it. It's a testament, man. I'm like, you know, you know, we, we talk about these players and the development they've had, but just just gotta gotta give that shout out. Chip England, man. You are a freaking wizard and I love you. You the man, Chip. You the man. I hope. I hope he becomes the highest paid assistant coach in the league. Like if he makes that work, if he turns Giddy into a 36 plus percent three point shooter consistently, give him anything he wants, man. 
Absolutely. And I, I, I mean, I'm going to end this one with something that, you know, we have to talk about before we move on. Uh, Aaron Wiggins started this game 17.7 of eight from the field, two of two from the three point line, one of one from the stripe, had six rebounds, three assists to boot. And the Thunder are the Oklahoma City Thunder are seven and oh when Andrew Wiggins starts for them. That is undefeated in the regular season. And, you know, moving on to the night's game, the Thunder are unserious because they did not start Aaron Wiggins. And guess <laughs> what, Alex? Guess what happened? Um, let's see. Aaron Wiggins starting lineup undefeated. Aaron Wiggins non starting lineup results vary. So I'm guessing probably not a win. It was not a win. We lost by 11, 126 to 115. Um, notes in this game Shea did return. He was off injury before he returned from his non COVID illness. Um, I'm just speculating here, and you know, that could be dangerous to speculate. I don't know that Shea was 100%. I mean, 33 points on not 100% is great. Yeah. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. Like, I I think I actually think that this, like, the Philly game, he may have been sick in the Philly game also. Like, I think this may have been something that's kind of been, you know, kind of going on for a good amount of a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they probably just <clears> – <throat> they probably thought they were going to take the L yesterday as it is. You know, probably thought, you know, it was probably like a scheduled – you know, scheduled loss and playing against one of the best, the best team in the NBA as far as record wise. Um, and so they decided, Hey, you know, he's not a hundred percent. He's under the weather. Let's kind of get him ready for Orlando for the Orlando game. Let's sit him out this game. And that's kind of what it was because, you know, on a back to back, I don't think you're going to necessarily sit somebody out on the first night with an illness and then have him play the second, you know, have him turn around 23 hours later and play, the next night. Like, I think this was something that he was probably a little bit under the weather yesterday, but he was probably feeling a little bit better today mm-hmm. type thing. Like, he was on the upswing, not necessarily <clears throat> on the downswing. Yeah, and I mean, <clears throat> that, I mean, that's obvious, you know, with him with him playing, like, you know, I, I don't think the Thunder are going to send him out there unless he's, like, 100%. And, but I, I, I just misspoke. <laughs> not if he's 100%. Like, I think that he was fine to go out there on the court, but, you know, just to like, you know, the stamina, um, you know, just like, you know, really just feeling it. I, I don't know necessarily he was a hundred percent. What I think might've happened is he saw his team put on this, you know, record breaking performance as a historic performance against one of the best teams in the league. And he wanted to be a part of that. He wanted to be a part of what was going on and he wanted to play against the magic and he did. <laughs> I mean, hey, and you know, like you said, thirty-three points. You know, I mean, you you could do a lot worse. Um, didn't shoot the ball super well, but he did get to the stripe eighteen times and tied his career high or set his career high. I can't remember uh, for free throws made, but seventeen. He missed one. Stupid bum. I think he tied it. <clears throat> yeah. So there you go, man. I mean, Shay Shay's yeah. gonna get his one way or another, and. And he did it. So, uh, Alex, you know, single large item for you for this game. I mean, just the uh, the the return to normalcy of of Trey Mann in this game. Like, you know, the Boston game, he was feeling it, man. He was confident. He was out there, you know, picking Hauser's pocket and dunking. He was mm-hmm. out there shooting step back threes. He was, you know, orchestrating the offense. You know, this game, 
a little bit more timid, you know, a little bit, you know, his shot wasn't going in. And so this is where I think, uh, this is where I think Trey needs to work on a little bit. When your shot's not going in, what are you doing? You know, are you, are you hustling on defense? Are you, you know, playmaking a lot better? Are you, and so these are going to be things that he has to learn, you know, because the shot's not going to be going in every day, you know, every game. Um, You know, we saw Aaron Wiggins kind of return back to earth a little bit. Um, You know, just, just, you know, in the NBA, they say the bench does not travel. And so this might have been a game where, like, the bench didn't travel, unfortunately. Um, and <clears throat> another note in this game, only big man, left ankle for, you know, Jalen Williams or J-Will. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next game because I don't know about Muscala pumping out 30 minutes a night. Yeah, no, that's uh, I mean, you know, I love Moose to death. I don't, I don't think he's got it in him. He played twenty tonight. Uh, you know, we played a little bit more small ball center lineup with uh, you know, Kendrick Williams out there once again. Um, but yeah, I mean, defensively, like, I mean, I think we play the Wizards next game. <laughs> that's Moose that's isn't nice. getting it done against Kristaps Porzingis. No. I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, we, I mean, we we need bodies out there, man. We need somebody out there to, you know. I wonder. I wonder if this forces the organization to pull the trigger on, on Darius Baisley on a, on a move for the, for for somebody that's a center um, in a Darius Baisley move. I just wonder. I don't know, man. I mean, I could see it either way. I could see that happening, and I could also just see them standing their ground, like, "Oh, well, we're gonna zig where everybody's eggs. We're gonna play five out like we did the other yeah. night, and we're gonna make them play our game and you know not fall into theirs." So. I don't know. We'll see, man. <clears throat> um, you know, kind of, you know, touching back on what I was talking about with that, with that lineup where Shea played with four shooters. The four shooters in question were Kendrick Williams, Isaiah, or not Kendrick Williams, sorry, Isaiah Joe, Mike Muscala, Trey Mann, and Wendy Waters, the third, who got some run in this game. Um, you know, nice obviously, block. Got a nice block in this game. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if you're, uh, <laughs> If you look at his stats, they look a lot better than you know how he did because he got two garbage times threes. But the threat of him as a shooter was apparent, mm-hmm. you know, in that stretch. Um, I I asked the question because you know I said I love that lineup because you know like I was talking about, <clears throat> it gives you a chance to put points on the board really quick. You can dig yourself out of a hole or you can build a lead in a hurry because you have four guys that can legitimately put the ball. In, like in the basket from the three-point line. Yeah. Uh, five, including Shea, who shot of one tonight, but we know that's in his bag. He has the ability to do that. But it also spreads the floor out so Shea can get inside and work where he's comfortable, which is the mid-range and around the rim, getting to the line and you know putting pressure on the defense in that way. And <clears throat> I, I got to say, man, like Shea had one pass in this run in the third quarter where he gets like right wrap around. Like that was a true wraparound. Like I truly don't know how he saw him because, like, if you're if you're if you're where Shea is, he's literally like not not just like in your peripheral. Like he's behind you at an angle. And I think that was. I think that was more of a he's supposed to be there. So let me toss this ball in that direction. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, I mean, I mean that that pass was ridiculous. Shea had a couple other really good passes, uh, you know, with that lineup. But I said we've got to come up with a name for that lineup. 
everybody's like, well, Mark Dagnall calls it the bomber lineup. And for obvious reasons, that's not going to fly. So uh, I asked for some suggestions on Twitter. You know, these, oh, did you? These aren't carbon copy, but you know, here, here's some of them. And I just want to pick your thoughts, Alex. Uh, so we got Shea Shooters. We've got Shea and the Snipers. We've got him and them. Oh, God. We've got the Thunderstorm, uh, Flamethrower, Hammer Down, Shea Caramba, which I think it's supposed to be like I Caramba, <laughs> and uh, Outer Space. So, how do you feel about any of those, Alex? Oh, oh, and then sorry, Evan ETM said anything but Bomber. <laughs> uh, I don't like any of them. Okay. Well, this this is this is your chance, Alex. Like, make your mark, make your stamp. What's this lineup need to be called? What does this lineup need to be called? Um, <laughs> I have no idea, man. Um, I have no idea. I don't want to get all smart on you guys and talk about geometric shapes or, you know, but yeah, because you think about a jump shot shot is in the form of like a rainbow and that form is called a parabola oh god so, here we go say in the parabola <laughs> alex man <laughs> mr ruig so i don't know the parabola all right, right. there it is Ra- rainbow bright we'll call it rainbow bright i don't know man i think the parabola is gonna stick hey man all you right. got santa i got the parabola there we go hey i I will push the agenda for the parabola now. Honestly, I don't even know if parabola is the thing. I don't know if it's a parabola or an ellipsis, but it's one of them damn, you know, geometric terms. But yeah. Isn't an ellipsis a dot, dot, dot? No. Are you sure? It might be. It might be. No, no, it might be. <laughs> no, no, no. But an ellipsis is like, it's like a shape. Like a, it's either an oval shape or like a half oval, like a, like a jump shot. I don't know. We'll see. Oh yeah, like an um, like an elliptical. Hmm. Don't, don't 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 overthink it. <clears throat> yeah, this is yeah. Okay, well we're we're straight we're straight too far from basketball and it's listeners. Listeners, if if there is a if there's a mathematician out there, somebody who works with you know with what's that trigonometry or whatever. Um, if you're always carrying around a scientific calculator, <clears throat> you know, at what is it? At Topic Thunder, OKC Topic Thunder, hit us up, tell us what that shape is, and then we may go ahead and call the lineup that from here on out. And maybe you have a better name for it. I mean, we're, we're maybe gonna we're, we're gonna workshop over the next few days. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get our top guys on this. We're gonna get uh, Dolan and his puns on this. Like, we're we're gonna find something. Yes, and I, I think I think Maddie, I mean, I think Tyranny might help out with this. He, he's also a teacher, so. Oh yeah, this is true. This is true. So, hey, we will have an answer. We will have solution. We will have suggestions. This will happen because this lineup needs to have a name. They they play it way too much to not have a name. They do. They do. The only problem is they play. They usually play when we're down a lot. Unfortunately, while the offense is good. The defense is bad. Like, I wish I wish we found more three and true or three and D type people um, that could you know mm-hmm. do that 
parabola lineup while also playing great D. So what we should call it is we should just call it the recovery crew because they're digging us out of holes. There you time. go. So there you go. Get the good. recovery crew. So um yeah, Alex, I don't have much more to say about this game other than uh Palo is really good at basketball. And yeah. I think I don't remember what our final big board was. I think I hedged and went chat number one. And I still could be right. But me and you were pretty firmly at Palo number one uh, for a very long time in the draft process. And I feel vindicated. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 going to be great. He's going to be great. He he has a lot of that uh, <clears throat> Jason Tatum like ability to hit from anywhere. He was shooting from all over the place and, and making it on us in this game. Um, and you know, there's a reason he's the only rookie averaging 20 plus points. Like this guy, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. And he has a green light in Orlando. Uh, so he's going to look a lot better on some nights. Um, so if we're not, I mean, if we're not going to go ahead and talk too much about this game, I want to go back to the Boston game, man. Like, Uh-oh. I feel like we're completely glossing over the fact that we scored a hundred and and fifty freaking points, man. Yeah, in, yeah. In regulation, like we scored forty-eight points in the third quarter. Like, you know, this is <clears throat> those teams with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, and you know the teams with Russell Westbrook and Paul George. They never did anything like that. You know, they came close. I think they they did do the whole six players with twenty-plus points type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, that also we had six players with twenty-plus points. Um, I, I believe, was it Kenrich had 17 or Aaron Wiggins had 17? So it was close. Yeah, Wiggins did, I think. close to being – so it's five. It was five players with 20-plus points. It was close to being six. Um, seven and double figures, though. Seven and double figures. We shot 20 of 40 from three. You know, this was an explosion. Like, this is like – if you do that against any team, the other team's going to lose regardless of who's out there. It would be, you know, the 92 Dream Team. If we do that against them, you know, we would be the, the college all-stars that beat them in that scrimmage at the beginning of the of their trek into in, into Barcelona. Um, it was just it was just an amazing amazing display of offense. Um, and it was a pretty shoddy display by Boston. Like you could definitely tell that Boston came in. They were probably thinking about Luca and the matchup against Dallas on was it Thursday. Um, it was a shoddy display by them, but hey, we executed and you know, we won that game by was it 33 points, 117 to 150. Mm-hmm. So it was just awesome, it was, it was great. You know, my sister got to go to that game, she used my ticket, and it was she was like, Oh my god, I can't believe what's going on. And I was like, Damn, that would have been a great game to go to. <laughs> yeah, I think Jerry got to go to it, he was. He was talking about it in the chat. He was very excited. Um, yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, I think it was Chris Vernon that said on uh, the mismatch pod. Uh, ironically enough, it was after we beat the Grizzlies, uh, also without Shea in the lineup. And he said that somebody told him a long time ago that there's eight nights a year where either there's nothing you can do about it, everything is falling for this team, and like – you know, it's just your night. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. And then there's eight nights in the year where no matter what you try, nothing is working. And mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it. And, like, you just got to take your L. Um, 
it was definitely one of those nights for the Thunder in which there was nothing the Celtics can do. Like the, it was just working for the Thunder, and it was kind of one of those nights for the Celtics in which nothing was working for them. Yeah. And a lot of that was because of the effort that was brought because of, um, you know, the expectations of who they were going against and underestimating our young guys. Um, but you know, it, it was still, it was, it was like a perfect storm game, honestly. It really was. It, it really was. And it, it was fun. It was fun. And, you know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, including myself was like, up. Oh. Shay's out, ran against Boston. This could get ugly real quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I watched that first quarter and I was like, not running away with it. They're, you know, the, the Thunder, you know, the, they go down by three, the Thunder come back and score one, they're down by one. You know, it was kind of like that back and forth throughout the entire quarter. And then the second quarter, you know, Trey, Isaiah Joe started cooking and Boston was turning the ball over. And you could kind of sense that the frustration was building, especially with Marcus Smart. He has that type of, you know, he has that type of personality that if, like Russell Westbrook, if things aren't working out in a game, they're kind of looking for ways to either, you know, hype up their team, maybe with a technical or, you know what, they're just going to go too far and just get tossed. Yeah. Game. And so eventually that's, ended up, yeah, that's eventually that's what ended up happening to him. But, but yeah, man, it was just, it was one of those games where you look at it and you're like, okay, like you said, you wait for the other sheet to drop. And that third quarter happened. And I think they, at the beginning of the third quarter, they started coming back. They, they, they trimmed the lead to like 15. And then Giddy took over and it was basically over from that point. Yep. Absolutely, man. Um, and, you know, Obviously, you're 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 under big at work, so we still have uh, another segment to cover. I asked for Twitter questions, and as everybody does, they showed up, showed out, and dropped us some Twitter questions. So I'm gonna try to rapid fire through these as many as we can before Alex. Go ahead, go ahead. Work. So here we go. Um, starting with. Okay, let's go with uh, Zach Ways one. It says, bias aside, does Isaiah Joe have potential to be one of our long-term 3 and D guys? Feels like every time we get our hopes up with a shooter slash defender, it goes downhill eventually, but Joe has been consistent and continues to improve or impress and chisel out a roster spot with his name on it. Alex, how do you feel about Isaiah Joe for the future? Hell yes. I like it. Short, sweet, to the point. And uh, I agree with you, brother. Uh, I mean, Isaiah Joe has been a godsend. His shooting is ridiculous. And as I talked about in the Celtics game, uh, and, and even tonight, like we were seeing that he's not just a shooter. He could do a little bit more uh, with the basketball, mm-hmm. driving to the rim and creating for himself. So uh, during, up, uh, during the uh, the New Year's resolutions pod, you know, the last pod that we did, mm-hmm. um, that's one of the things that I brought up with Isaiah Joe is, hey, start developing other facets of your game. You're a great shooter already. You know, but if you can go ahead and kind of be able to drive, be able to dish, you know, the game's going to take off that much more exponentially for that guy, for that kid. So hopefully he continues on this trajectory. Yeah, and he's still young. And, he, I mean, he really couldn't have landed in a better spot, like with the world-acclaimed shooting coach and one of the best development stats in the NBA. And, you know, a roster that's devoid of shooting. Like Isaiah Joe fell into the perfect spot. And yep. – he has a lot of room to grow. So, yeah, I'm all bored. David, David Nawaba died so that Isaiah Joe could fly. See, see I, I think we should say walk so, so he can run because <laughs> that's a little morbid. But, you know, it's okay. We'll, we'll... I mean, David Nawaba is alive and well. <laughs> he, he's, that. 
He's there. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's see here. Uh, okay, at Sauce Gardener, the the E in the er, in the Gardener is a three. Uh, says what puts us over the hump and makes us a real contender next year besides Chet being healthy. So I guess this is saying hypothetically, uh, assuming Chet's back, um, you know what makes us a contender? Like. Is it a trade? Is it the pick that we make next year? Is it one of our guys taking another leap? What do you think, Alex? Um. So yeah, of course, Chet. Like you, like you mentioned, I, I honestly think it is Santa Williams making a leap. I love that you're embracing you know. it. By the way, <laughs> I, you, you know, said just... it when I wasn't on the podcast <laughs> and I listened back, I literally fist pumped. So. Um... Struggling a little bit with his with his outside shot, with a three point shot, mm-hmm. and so if he can get back to, I believe it was what thirty eight percent his junior year in college, his you know his last year in college, um, you know you get it get that up to about thirty six percent in the NBA, I think that opens up huge facets of his game. Like he's he's looks a lot like a Harden SGA type mix. You know, he and, he and he's more athletic. You know, he's longer, he's more athletic. Um, so if he can develop that part of his game, I, I think this guy could be a star. And I'm not even I'm not even joking. This guy could be the gem of the of, of last year's draft class. Um, and he's already showing, you know, he's already showing flashes of it. So mm-hmm. I think his development and I, I I think whoever we draft, like I think if we draft you know, within within the top ten, I think we could get a player of high value to add to this team. Yeah, and uh, he shot thirty nine point six percent from three uh, his last year at Santa Clara. So that's what I meant. Yeah, he's he, he he could definitely get there, man. I mean, he's it, you know same thing with my Jane when he was struggling earlier in the year. Like his shot doesn't look broken; uh, it's just not going in. And yeah, you know, again, we got Chip England, so. We'll work out the kinks there. Uh, let's move on to key, at key SXN. Um, yeah, this is my last one. So okay, gotcha. It says play-ins. Plus, how do you feel about this team so far headed into the second half of the season, Alex? Like, I know you said that you don't really care what happens, and I'm kind of in there with you. But I'm I'm leaning more towards winning nowadays. But um, what do you think, man? What what's your official? Um, Maybe not prediction, but like what what's what's your heart telling you? Where, where's this team headed this year? I mean, I, I think I think we're headed to where we're at now. You know, I think between five and eight is where we're headed. You know, in the in the reverse standings, I don't think we're a playing team just because I don't think we are consistent enough as a young team to consistently win against those good teams. Um, you know, I love seeing those. I, I love seeing that we're, that we're competing, but I don't, I don't think that we're there there yet. I, I do think we need that big man in the middle who could control the game defensively. Um, and so, of course, we got to wait till next season to, to see that out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think play is still in the realm of possibility just because, I mean, you know, Injuries can happen. Um, you know, some of these teams that have been overperforming, like Utah Jazz, like they still have the ability to pull levers themselves to try to put themselves in the one. Be honest, sweepstakes if they want to be, because I think they 
what they're on like a four or five game losing streak or something like that. And they're starting to crater. So, you know, it's possible for the thunder to step up. I think right now they're like two games back from the 10 seed. So, um, you know, definitely still in the realm of possibility, but, um, we need to start getting healthy. We need to get guys back. We need to get ooze out there. We need to get Jerry out there. We need to get Poku out there. Like we need to get our guys out there if we're serious about this. So. And that's, I think, you know, within, the, you know, within the next month, that's probably going to aid, in us losing games, just not having an, an interior presence that can do anything. Cause it, it just seemed like, you know, in tonight's game, so, you know, on some, on a lot of possessions, Orlando was able to get second and third chances just because there was nobody in there that was over six foot seven, six foot eight. So Wendell Carter, um, Mo Bamba, you know, they were all grabbing these rebounds. The, the guards were crashing the boards. So I think that's going to play into us, you know, losing a couple games, a couple more games than we would have if we would have had a healthy lineup. And that's any NBA team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, Alex, I won't hold you. I know you got to get off here. So have a good night, brother, and I'll finish up. All right. Thunder up, baby. Take these boss. See ya. <clears throat> All right. Well, moving on, looks like we got a couple more questions. So uh, at OKC5217 says, do we need to trade Shea with an upside-down smiley face? And I'll just tell you, no, we do not. Okay, moving on to at Wilson R. Wall says, should we be buyers at the deadline? And if so, who should we pursue? I don't necessarily think that we should be um, buyers in terms of like big game hunting. But as you know, me and Alex just talked about and me, Conan Tierney talked about. And I think Jerry, Alex and um, Dolan also talked about like <clears throat> there's a real possibility that we make a trade. Um, possibly even including Baisley and bring back a big man. I think that if you make a trade is to do that. I don't think that necessarily we're going to bring in like a star big man. Um, I think that this team thinks very highly of Chet. I think that they are kind of evaluating him to be the center of the future, be the big man of the future for this team um, despite his injury. So I don't think they're going to bring in anybody to shake it up. I think they're going to bring in a fringe guy. I think that, you know, PJ Washington, like me and Cone said uh, before, well, Cone said on the podcast, but I've been saying like very loudly on Twitter, I want Shay and PJ to be reunited. Um, I think that he would be great. You know, I think he's solid defensively, phenomenal shooter, uh, still young, obviously, as the chemistry with Shay uh, from his Kentucky days. Um, so, I mean, I think he's an option. Zeke Naji, like I mentioned, like a guy that is really skilled offensively, still super raw, still super young. And, I'm you know, just kind of uh, on the hamster wheel of success in, at the Denver Nuggets because, you know, let's face it, he's not going to get much run uh, over Nikola Jokic. And, you know, like I said, he's skilled and he has um, he has interesting tools, but those tools aren't really uh, manifesting themselves into victory and <clears throat> winning basketball at this point in time. So he's not really finding a role on that Nugget squad. Uh, I mean, you got guys like Jackson Hayes, got guys like Mobamba uh, that I don't ultimately believe that we'll pursue, but you know, it's still a possibility. And you know, if we were to get them, you know, that'd be cool. Uh, as long as it's not like we're giving up a lot. So, <clears throat> do I think we'll be buyers? It's possible. Do I think we're going to be game hunting? Yeah, probably not. Um, let's see here. So, at Bolt Seventeen asked a variety of questions. Some of them. Highly inappropriate. Um, let me see. Uh, so <laughs> he has a couple questions here that are actually 
fine. Uh, one is why isn't Wiggins starting all the time? Uh, it's like Mark Dennault said, uh, just because Aaron Wiggins, we're undefeated whenever Wiggins starts, doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, if we start Aaron Wiggins every game, we're going to win. And I think we know that as fans. Um, and, you know, it's just a fun stat, really, that we kind of throw out there. And I, I do think that Wiggins plays better when he's in the starting lineup. Like, weirdly enough, I, I think that um, whether it's, you know, playing alongside like Shay, alongside guys like Shay and Giddy, um, Dort and whoever else is out there, Jay Williams. Oh, I think that he plays better off of them than the guys on the bench. Um, <clears throat> go figure. He plays better with better players. Um, but yeah, like, I would love to see Aaron Wiggins start more. I think that he does great when he's in the starting lineup, and obviously it wins the success. But you know, that's not the reason we're losing basketball games. We don't lose tonight against the Orlando Magic because Aaron Wiggins didn't start. At least I don't think so. Um, and another thing that he said was, why isn't Bam here yet? Well, that's because uh, – well, I thought I had a joke, but turns out uh, the game that we will be playing – in six days on TNT is actually in Miami. So uh, Bam will not be in OKC. He will be in Miami, as we will, in the TNT crew. So there's our nationally televised game. Very excited for that. It's going to be awesome. I hope Shea goes off and, like, really puts in a crazy effort. I had a couple more questions here. Let's see here. So uh, at rstates22 says, if Rudy Gobert and the cat experiment doesn't work out and the Wolves are terrible, should OKC go all in to trade for cat? Listen, I love, I love cat. Like obviously first time in Kentucky and his skill set and his fit, uh, theoretical fit next to Shea. Um, I think we said in a few pods ago that I'm open to the idea of bringing cat in, but I don't want to overpay for this. Like, I don't want to send. I honestly, I think two first, Baisley, maybe another player. I don't know. Like, I, I'm not gonna sit here and trade machine with you with Carl, but like, I don't want to give up that much for him. Um, I think that he would be fun offensively. Like, he would add a new dynamic. And I think that his fit next to Chet would theoretically make sense. Like if he was <clears throat> to play a four on offense uh, defensively, that's where the issues are. And we know that he has the ability to play defense. He played defense in Kentucky. He played defense his first couple of years at the Timberwolves whenever he's playing with Kevin Garnett. Um, but you know, that's kind of falling by the wayside and that's why he's not able to stay on the court in these pivotal playoff matchups. If he was able to defend and like lock in defensively and maybe a coach like Mark Dagnall challenging him to do that, maybe Lou Dort and Chet Holmgren setting the tone defensively for the entire team challenges him to do that, like maybe he could thrive in that role. And if that was the case, like that, and you knew that for certain, I would say, yeah, go get him. Like overpay for that guy because he's, he's everything that Chet is, but I'm not going to say he's everything that Chet is. He's a similar skill set to what Chet is, but a better shooter. Like, regardless of what you think about Carl Anthony Towns, he is one of, if not the best shooting big man of all time. So, short answer, yeah, but I don't want to give up a lot. Um, let's see here. <laughs> At Never Been Equal says, who is the greatest player of all time and why is it Josh Giddy? 
yeah, I mean, let's. Josh Giddy might go down as the best Australian basketball player of all time. Uh, I'll give you that one. Um, <clears throat> obviously not best player of all time, but yeah, Giddy's been on tear. He's been killing it. Uh, love what I've seen out of Josh Giddy. Let's see here. I think I got one more. Oh, sorry. I am more tired than I thought I was. Uh, so we kind of talked about this, but I do want to give a shout out to at OKC Thunder Baby says, how done with Bays is Mark? Jay Will gets injured and he can't get any minutes. I mean, you know, like I said, I think the writing's on the wall. I think it makes sense for the Thunder when to part ways with him. Um, you know, as you can see, we don't necessarily need him like we have other guys on the roster that we can play in his stead. If Jalen Williams is actually out, who knows? Basically, might get a little bit of run. <clears throat> but long term, down the road, like Darius Basley is not long for this team. He doesn't necessarily fit what this team is trying to do. Um, and he doesn't really fit the timeline of this team either. So I think that it would be beneficial for us to move him. It would be beneficial for him to move him, for us to move him. Beneficial for him, for us to move him. Yeah, God, that that was a whirlwind to say. I apologize. But, yeah, I, I would like to be able to send him to a position where he can really try to impact winning because I do think he's a difference maker defensively. Uh, has the potential to be a difference maker defensively. Let me rephrase that. Um, you know, just the pro- positional versatility that he provides, uh, shot blocking. Uh, offensively, he's got a long way to go. Uh, making quick decisions with the basketball, making good decisions with the basketball, and shooting, you know, kind of being like the main improvement areas that I would highlight. But, um, you know, I don't wish any negativity towards Bays. I just, for the sake of us and for the sake of him, I think it's time to move on. So that's what I got to say about that. Uh, with that being said, guys, um, I think that's the end of this podcast. You know, once again, uh, be sure to buy tickets to the Top Thunder Fan event on January 27th against the Cleveland Cavaliers at home in the Shacom Center, aka the Paycom Center uh, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Uh, their link is on our Twitter page at OKC Topic Thunder. Go ahead and give us a follow if you're not already, but click on that link. There's two options. You have the 100s, that's the lower bowl, and then you have 300s, uh, the 300 seats. I think there's two sections that you could buy from on that. Uh, the 100s are $83. The 300s are $16. That includes everything, tax, service fees, and the on-court experience. When after the game, we come down to the court, take a big group picture, and we do a half-court shooting contest. That feels weird to say. Half-court shot contest, half-court shooting contest. We'll say half-court shooting contest um, to see who can win uh, premium seats for a future Thunder game uh, this year. And like I said, we're working on even making this better. So you don't want to miss out on that. Uh, and, yeah, I hope to see everybody there. I'm stoked to meet you guys. I'm stoked to meet my brothers in the unit. I'm stoked to get a weekend myself. And I'm stoked to see the Thunder play, man. Like, you know, I I – like – I picked the game. I told the guys, like, guys, I want to come to this game. Like, I think this game works. I could take off on Thursday and, like, you know, stay through the weekend. Like, it gives me more time to breathe in OKC. But also, like, I want to see the Thunder play. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen. The Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that I picked as, I think, one of my Eastern Conference Finals teams. I can't remember um, 100%. But, you know, this was a game that I picked. So, I'm very excited for the whole experience. Like it's going to be, 
It's going to be bucket list. So I uh, can't wait to see you guys there. Um, rambling now. So that's when it's time to end the podcast. So hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the love. Um, yeah. With that being said, hope you all have a great night. God bless. Hoop when you can. And as always, thunder up. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter, at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.